it's Sally here. Just a quick one, just a quick one. If you like this really sweary podcast by Kalechi, sorry, Kalechi, do remember to rate and review Say Your Mind on Apple Podcasts, okay? Now for the very urban intro music. <laughs> It's the Benz Brunani woman is baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea, we are go sip it, yo. Hard time scrolling for your long truths. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind. I think it's time we got this straight. No tweets, just talk face to face Cause there is no way you could mistake Your points for truth, are you insane? See, I know that you might be A little more privileged than me But you're wild if you can't deep That your tweets are fuckery You need to give it up Woo! Had about enough since it's hard to see, these straws will fly. I can see that you pretend to be confused. Since it's so hard to see, these straws will fly. Must you do the things you do? Keep on tweeting like a fool. Instead of you to season your food. <laughs> Oh, it is me. How was that one? How was that one? How did you feel about that one? Uh, that needs to be like a duet because the bigger duet, I go on and on and hey. No, so I, yeah, obviously that's um, Brandy and Monica, The Boy Is Mine. Such a tune. That came out in my last year of primary school because I remember we were in year six and we were going to the Isle of Wight. I don't know why they always chose the Isle of Wight. Now I've got my parent hat on. I am not letting no motherfucking school teacher take my child to the Isle of Wight. For what? Like, leave my child with you and you're crossing waters. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, and actually, that was even a wild trip because I remember the teacher that we had in year six, Waste Man. And he, I've mentioned him on the show before. And while we were in, and we were all obsessed that time with, you know, those denim skirts that were shorts underneath that you could order in the Littlewoods catalogue. Oi, 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 fashion, fashion, ya bitch. Oh, let me just introduce myself first because I was just going off on one. But yeah, <laughs> that off, off, off the subject, off topic. But um, yeah, he was, he was annoying on that trip. It just whenever I'd be playing with um, one of the other black girls, he'd be like, oh, what are you guys doing? What, why, why are you together? Why are you troublemakers, troublemakers? Just annoying. But yeah, now I've got my parent hat on. I just don't see how I would allow that to happen. But um, it is I, Kalechi. Don't call me that. It is me, Kalechi. And a bombaclart place to be, you get me? No, <laughs> it's me. And this is SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, suck your mum. And I am just excited to be here for another week. I don't know where the sound, you know, like my voice sounds like it's got energy, but my pelvis aches. 
and my feet ache because I finally completed uh, my 13 miles. So I set myself a postpartum goal that I was going to run a half marathon, even though that's 13.1 miles. But I ran actually um, further than that. I ran 23K, but the app I was using didn't log it. Um, my watch logged it though. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So I said I wanted to do a half marathon. Obviously that got cancelled because of Koro Koro. So the Royal Parks half, half marathon got cancelled and that's usually around my birthday. So I was really looking forward to that. And it was like a postpartum kind of goal that I set myself as well to, you know, just get myself moving again and get myself feeling like strong again. And yeah, so when they cancelled it and all of this stuff was happening, the only thing I had really was running. Like gym was lock off, studio lock off. So yeah, the only thing I had was running. And so I always talk about how running for me is like a moving prayer. It's like moving meditation. And it's really gotten me through some tough times during this um, pandemic. Because I don't just, I, I, I talk a lot and I share things, but then I'm very, like, I'm incredibly private, almost to the point of neuroses. Like, I don't actually talk about my life too much. Um, um, Only certain bits. So I guess people kind of feel like they know me, but they don't. So, um. Yeah, so running's been that for me. And I put a program together for myself, working on my core, working on my flexibility, my mobility, um, and set a race day. And my race day was today. Uh, had my little finish line prepared. And my partner and my baby were there at the end. Like, oh, well done. Although, like, Lev was sleeping. But typical, typical Virgo. Like, oh, you're doing an achievement thing. Oh, babe, I've got my nap to take. So you you do that and I'll and I'll see you afterwards. Well done. Oh, look at you having goals. Um, so, no, it was wonderful. Um, glad to have done that. I'm going to probably take a week off from running uh, because I was just on it. I just set the program and I was just like, I'm not giving myself any time off. Um, I'll run this number of times a week and I'll spread out the distances, um, but I'm, and the types of runs and the types of training that I'm doing. But, um, and also I was meant to be cross training. So I would have been swimming as well, but obviously swimming pool lock off as well. So it really made me get creative with what I could do to get myself ready for this, but it's done now. I'm excited that I got to do that on top of all the other things I was doing this week, like teaching a couple of workshops and stuff. Off that subject, related but not related, if you struggle with your racism and you're booking someone to do an anti-racism workshop with you and talk to you about how race and racism came to be and what we can be doing as a society... You need to work through those feelings, I think, before booking someone. I don't know, because I saw some wild behavior in the past couple of weeks with some of the workshops that I've been doing. And it took every ounce of my self-restraint to not ask the person, are you are you all right? Are you mad? Or is your entire fucking village mad? Is there something wrong with you? Are you okay? Because people were doing the most. Like, you're booking a black woman to come and talk to you lot, teach you lot about racism. Um... I'm expending this energy to come and teach you a lot about racism. And then you're trying to like micromanage me, talking to me about what exactly will you be saying through it? Yeah, I know that we've got the PowerPoints, but what exactly will you, if you don't fuck off and go and suck your mum, you fucking dickhead, move. You've seen what I'm talking about. You've seen the presentation. So don't ask me any other Ross Clark questions. 
for the sake of professionalisms, for professionalisms, but I just look at people sometimes. I don't even say anything. I just carry on doing what I'm doing because I want you to move mad enough. So when I now show you my Tesco value, not Tesco's finest, not even Tesco value, Tesco's finest madness. I shouldn't even really be using Tesco because they move mad. M&S, M&S is finest, yeah? When I now show you that, everyone will be crying. But the thing is, you brought it on yourself. And people really, really need to behave. Oh, we want you to come in and speak to our um, our team and speak to our company and our organisation um, about racism. And these book- bookings are like flying in. And then in the build up to it, you're just doing wild shit. Oh, well, um, can you do this? And could you, I'm not doing any extra shit. What is down that I do in a package is what I do. Don't ask me about anything else. But more especially, you want to be doing all of these. Oh, can you tell us exactly what you'd say? If you're so scared about what I'm going to say, maybe I'm not the person for you because I will say what I rascal like want to say. Okay. Okay, then. Because no, nah, I saw some very wild movements this week and I just had to put it to God and say, you know what? Try Jesus. Not me. Because I fight. That's such a tune. But yeah, really try Jesus, not me, because I'll, I will cuss you the fuck out. But that being said, my workshops have been great. Um, a lot of energy expended, but they've overall just been cool. Um, those are out of the way. I've got content stuff to like create and post and stuff for a brand. But I really feel like, honestly speaking, I don't really enjoy doing too many brand bits. It doesn't sit well with me, especially on my like social media and stuff. So by the, I don't know, by the beginning of next year, I don't really want to be doing those things because yeah, even they annoy me like oh we want you to use your unique authentic voice and do it how you want to do but could you say these exact things just like this could you do it exactly like this i don't yeah so let's see but by the beginning of um next year by god's grace god willing i'll be phasing those things out because i'll be doing things my way that kind of works for me but we'll see we'll see unless i meet brands that have a bit more sense and just let me do things how i want to kind of do them um but yeah I mean they're not not all of them are like annoying there are some there are some cool ones but yeah I've just got bits coming up and I want to get all of those things done and I yeah I know I should be taking my break but I haven't been able to take it yet um and it should happen it should have happened today I would imagine really I should have done it after my 13 mile run but we move. Well, I'm not moving. You know, I'm sitting here and my pelvis is aching, like I said, but I'm just proud of myself. And this is another thing as well that I talk about, talk with my therapist about that. I know I don't celebrate myself enough. And then I've got this thing where I'm waiting for other people in my life and around me to celebrate me for me. Cause I, I want them to see like, Oh, I've worked hard and I want them to say it, but you can't keep waiting for other people to celebrate you because they're doing their own, they're in their own minds. They've got their own lives and they've got their, all of their own shit going on. So you have to celebrate yourself. So today was me celebrating myself. Like I'm a Don, I'm a G, I'm a rascal, like baby girl. Do you get me? Like I've, put in the work and I stuck with my training program and especially when you're the one that created it because obviously I'm qualified in antenatal and postnatal um, exercise so when you're the one that creates it you can tweak it you can lie to yourself and be like oh I'm just gonna change this bit and da, 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 da. but I didn't I said I put in what I know I could achieve based on all the things I've done before based on how my body was moving in the f- um, in the first few weeks um, after having Lev 
And then I used those things to kind of frame how I went about everything. So I knew that everything I'd put there for myself was achievable. And if I started moving it, it's just because I was being fucking lazy. Um, Obviously, if it was painful, that's another thing. And uncomfortable, that's another thing. But no, I know myself. And I know that if I didn't um, adhere to what I'd created, it's simply because I was being lazy. So I had to just, you know, pattern myself up and, and get through it. So, um... I said all of that to say nothing, nothing, fuck all, fuck all I had to say, fuck all. But um, I big up the Re- um, the Receipts podcast also because I, like I said, when I go on my runs is when I listen to the Receipts specifically. Um, I, know, I don't know, I like, I like listening to the read when I'm cooking and baking, but I like listening to the Receipts when I'm out running don't know like I just like there's different vibes for different things so um yeah so it's almost like the receipts went on that 13 mile run with me so Audrey, Milena, Tolly you were you were on that run too we shared the 13 miles yeah so um yeah it's just great to have um you know uh, that kind of company when you're doing something like that and sometimes I just listen to music but honestly it's been great it's been great um yeah so let's get into the tarot then we're doing three piles this week three piles only pile one pile two pile three. Oh, i'd like you to take time to center yourself i will center myself take some deep breaths and i'm really really glad that you've all uh, a lot of you have said that the tarot has really been resonating with you and i think it will the more open you are to receiving the message the more the message can come through so yeah, pile one, pile two, or pile three. Okay. All right, so I'll start with pile one. Pile one, I'm using the Lisa Stell Modern Witch Tarot deck for all of them and in a few other cards. And then I'm using the Messages from Your Angels card and then the Archetypes card deck that I got um, last week. So the first card that came out in the pile one is Death. And the reason Death came out is because... You're being asked to let things go. There is an aspect of your life or the kind of person you used to be um, in order to survive, I guess. And that person, that version of you is done with. There is a rebirth that needs to happen for whatever term you want to use. There There is a new you wanting to emerge. Because that new you is the one that um, attracts abundance and and can maintain abundance, sustain abundance, that sort of thing. But you have to let the old version of you die. And sometimes the reason that we can't let the old version of ourselves die, because I'm looking in this image and I see like an old lady um, on the floor and everything else. And then there's someone who looks dead. They had a crown on and they're on the floor as well. I think that sometimes the reason we can't let our old selves die is because of the, that's the version that a lot of people know us as. Yeah. Especially if it's like parents or caregivers and people like that, they know this version of you and you want to, you feel guilty for moving on from that version that they know of you because you don't want to leave them behind. I think that sometimes we don't talk about that enough. People are always talking about growth. Oh my God, growth, transcending, ha, 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 ha. Growth is hard. Healing is fucking hard because we don't want to leave certain people behind. And I'm using behind very, very loosely. But, you know, like you just don't want to leave them or, you know, find that there's distance between yourself and them because you're on a different path. And 
sometimes you have to trust in the in in the love that you have and the connections that you have with people enough that you should go and forge your own path and you know pray that should it serve your highest good you can come back to a similar connection or even a deeper connection later on down the road. But yeah, the, sometimes the hardest part is knowing that if you change and if you step into the world as who you truly are, you're going to lose a lot of fucking people. And I'm speaking from a very, very personal space here because I have a lot less friends than I used to have. I'm not someone that generally has friends anyway. Like if you, if there's anything you've deeped about me, you don't really see me with friends. Like I've got my bestie and then I've got my other really close friend, um, in, um, Texas. But after that, I, you know, and, and a couple of like close friends over here, but after that, that's like really it. Like I, I, honestly, my personal phone number, I think, I would say that's, Six people, including my family and my partner, have that number. Or let, mm, let's push it. Let's say eight. Yeah. Eight people have that number. Nobody else. And I am glad it is that way because sometimes the way people misuse my number, like the my work number, that's also like the studio number, the way that they misuse that, I'm just like, I'm glad that you don't have my personal number because I would be fucking fuming if this is what you were doing with my number. But um, like people fucking add you to WhatsApp groups without asking your permission and things like that, or, you know, start conversations with people and go, I'm just connecting. Don't connect people with my number. Don't. But, you know, things like that, it happens a lot. So, yeah, I have a lot less friends, acquaintances. I have a lot less now the more I've kind of tried, uh, you know, stepped into who I feel I am. And and, and I feel like becoming a bit more aligned with um, my destiny and things like that. And it happens and it's painful because sometimes, you know, you really, really enjoy those people but it is what it is. You just, you just have to let life do what life does. And I think that this is the situation here. And sometimes also we feel guilty because when we work from a place of unconsciousness and survival mode, we hurt people along the way like that we do. I've hurt lots of people. And when I say dickhead in recovery, I'm not saying that lightly. I am a dickhead, like, oh, honestly and i'm not going to say i was because that's stupid no i still am and every day i have to check myself so i'm not reverting back to habits and things that no longer serve me and thus like and obviously serves nobody else around me and people will try people will try you try jesus Woo! not me because i slap but you know honestly it's hard and Sometimes when you make a breakthrough in your healing, instantly, almost instantly, a certain type of guilt kind of creeps in. And it's just like, oh, those people haven't seen this version of me or what will they think? And there are people out there who will go, oh my God, I can't believe that you listen to collection. You think she's cool because she did this and she did this. That's not necessarily to say even what they're saying is true or correct. But the thing is, that's the version. They have a version of events yeah and that's their version of events and they and it hurt them um and you kind of have to be okay with that you kind of have to make peace with the fact that on this journey you've hurt people you have you have and if you if anyone was sitting there going i've not hurt a single soul you're still a dickhead more of a dickhead than i am 
because you're willing, you're unwilling to accept your the responsibility for the things and the damage that you have also caused and the wounding that you have also caused. On this path, we have to make peace with the fact that, you know what, I did do that. And because of those experiences, I am doing better. I want to put out more love and presence into the world than all the years I spent being not present and, and unconscious. Like I want to do better. And this is where you are right now is this conflict of, oh, I know that there is um, a a, a me that is trying to emerge because there's a sun in the background here between towers. And when I think about towers, I think of fixtures. I think of things um, remaining how they are, but a new you wants to emerge and for that to emerge, you have to let this one die. And, and, you know, like let people mourn the ting, let people grieve the ting. Even you have to mourn and grieve for the person you once were. You have to go through that process too. And then with open arms, step into, step another place. Right? Yeah. You've got to step into your new being and every, like life is always um, regenerating our cells regenerate everything regenerates so there's another version of you after this version too and another version of you after that but in ev- at every stage that's how um evolution happens and that's how we transcend by uh, getting better at shedding our old self every time the next stage is calling us you know getting better and more efficient at shedding so it feels to me like you're at the beginning of that kind of process and learning how to shed in that way. But you've got to trust yourself and you've got to trust that however uncomfortable people might feel with the fact that you're stepping into who you truly are, that discomfort is nothing compared to you not living this life as you know you should. And when you do, that is why you have the card, the nine of cups. That is when you're, you're the abundance that you so desire the emotional fulfillment that you so desire, that's when it can materialize because it's there waiting. The energy is around you. The energy is literally calling you to step into it, but you're out here still looking back. What happened to that one and his wife? Is it Lot and his wife? And then she looked back and she turned into salt. Mate, you're going to be salty if you look back on who you once were and you don't step into the person who you are destined to be. That is, oh, I feel like that's the word. I feel like that's the word. I don't know why I keep doing hee hee. I'm so sorry. But um, I thought, no, I honestly feel like that's a word. Like if you keep looking back, not just about turning into a pile of salt, but you will be salty. You'll be resentful because you, 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 you're trying to stay there for other people. You're trying to look back at what you have or what you had, but nothing about what you have or had compares to what is calling you. So you've got to do the work. You've got to do that um, dying in the sense to, to let this, you know, flourishing you come through um, as we see in the nine of cups. And if you're also worried about finances, again, the worries that you have around finances are hooked around not wanting to step into your purpose. Like literally the, the, the money that you want, the bag that you want to secure it requires you to step into the world as who you are. Like your blessings are looking for you and, but you, you are required to show up. You have like your blessings have ID recognition. Yeah. And you know, like when you're going to a club and you need ID for entry and all of them things, your blessings have your face on them, your soul rather on them. So this version of you, it's not the one that they're expecting at the door. So you're going to get them bouncers, them Russian bouncers, like, no, you not come in. Um, you And you're not coming in because you don't have, you know, you're not showing up as who they're expecting. 
you're not coming to club. So um, <laughs> so make sure that you're showing up as who you are. The card that you get from the messages from the angels card deck is Serena, Angel Serena. I am the angel of abundance. You will receive the money that you need and God is in charge of how that will happen. Have faith. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's it. Have faith. Yeah. Do what you need to do. And I love this angel Serena because she's black. Um, But do what you need to do in order for, and you'll see that in, in the most random ways, what you are um, wanting, what you desire will show up, but you've got to play your part, play your position. Uh, then from the archetypes card deck, the card that came out is child wounded light attributes, awakens compassion and desire to serve other wounded children opens the learning path of forgiveness. The shadow attributes of blames all dysfunctional relationships on childhood wounds, resists moving on through forgiveness. Look at that. Look at that. So I don't always look at all of these cards before I start. Some might say it's irresponsible, but I just like to do it in the moment and let the message come through as raw and unfiltered as possible. And I don't want to give myself a chance to tweak the message. Um, so there, there you have it. And there is a child. There is a child on the uh, death card by Lisa Style. There is a child there as well looking up. Because what does it mean for your wounded child if you were to let go of the unconscious things that you do that you blame on the fact that you were, you know, you're working through childhood trauma? What would it mean for that child if you actually help that child to heal rather than using that child as an excuse? What would that feel like? Let me give you an example. Yeah. My therapist, Emma, big up Emma, um, I was talking, I I, I promised someone I stopped mentioning Emma because they said that they tried to contact Emma, but her wait list is so long that they can't get on it. So every time I mention her, obviously the wait list gets longer. So could could I stop mentioning her? After this, I'll stop. I promise, I promise. But um, I was speaking to Emma and we were, I I don't know what we were talking about, but um, in my session, and I said something like, um, I, when I'm, I'm always very fearful of putting myself out there, like and shooting my shot professionally, but I'm making myself do it more. Uh, and which is funny because you get rejection and everything when you're acting and doing all of these things, there's rejection left, right and center all the time. I mentioned this last week as well, but I've been trying more or no, not even trying. I've been shooting my short, a shot more professionally. You know, this is the kind of person I want as a guest on the podcast. So I'm going to ask them and if they air me, they air me, but I know that I asked in it. So I've been doing more of that. And Emma asked me like, what are you scared of? And I just said, well, I'm scared of like them, like rejecting me. And she was like, but what part of you scared of that? I said, okay, my wounded child is scared of that from being abandoned and all of that. So for felt feeling abandoned as, as a child and, and not feeling good enough. So the, the fear is that, that I will feel like I'm not good enough. And she was like, how old is your inner child? I was like, eight years old. And she's like, so what sense do eight-year-olds generally, generally, well, how much sense do they make? Like, not lots, not lots and lots, okay. So what would you say to an eight-year-old child who was saying, I'm not good enough. And if people don't want to play with me, then it means that I'm not good enough. And honestly, I don't cry in my sessions, but something caught me there because it was about, again, the compassion, showing myself compassion rather than just accepting that, oh, this is how I feel. And that's just the way it is going to the root of, if you can find it, of where that hurt is, where that wounding is and, and massaging it and, and embracing it and holding it close. So I was like, yeah, I would tell the eight year old that, 
how other people want to move is no reflection on who you are like you are wonderful like you're so funny and you're incredibly beautiful and you're so kind and you're so loving and you're so so intelligent whoever can't see that oh baby girl that is their problem you you continue to thrive because your friends they will find you and you will find them and and it will all be wonderful but don't ever believe that because people don't want to play with you that just means that you're not um good enough you're you're more than enough you're you're wonderful you are beautiful and just being able to recognize that really shifted something in me and made me worry less because I spoke to the child in me that was the one that's actually worried rather than just going, oh, well, I just feel that way and my feelings are valid and da, da, da. And my feelings are valid. But, you know, it's also working through them and seeing how I can help myself in in some ways. So that's really, that was a long as fuck message for pile one. But, you know, you get what I'm, you get what I'm saying, Sha. So that's pile one. Um, pile two, pile two. Uh, this one was I felt this one I felt this one okay so I'll start slow pile two I have two interpretations they might be linked they might not um and to give you an idea of what brought these things about I was just thinking about the love and intimacy as a theme over the next month that's what I was speaking to spirit about and that's why that's how I pulled these cards so it was about love and intimacy was the theme for me and um the card that comes up first for pile two is the king of swords in reverse so in one regard I read this as like somebody who is struggling to think clearly usually that you're rather decisive like you know what you want to do you know how you want to get it done and you just work with precision but you're not working from that uh, space at the moment and basically because you're not working and thinking clearly you're making poor decisions when it comes to finance because the other card is the king of pentacles in reverse and the and it's interesting that they're both kings so you the choices that you're making will impact other people because you have a lot of responsibility and you're making some shoddy decisions that will actually impact um other people and the one of the other interpretations I have that's coming through is that some of you are dating fuck boys or fuck people, just people who they don't they're not on your level um, emotionally, spiritually, intellectually. They're like they're not on your level. And for that reason, it's affecting how you go about creating a foundation for your own life. Um it feels very, very strong, especially if you're um, a, a man who dates men. This feels more more so for you than anybody else. Like, find people, date people who are on your level. And I'm, I'm using level l- loosely, but find people who are in alignment with where you're going with your life or where you, where you are at in your life. Because if you're choosing people and thinking that you can love them out of their dysfunction, that is highly unlikely. And then there's something about that you'd have to question about yourself, why you're choosing people that you feel you can love out of their dysfunction. Why is that displacement happening? So that's another one. And the third one that comes through to me is that some of you aren't thinking clearly at the moment um, because you're grieving. Maybe there's a pregnancy loss because sometimes I look at the King of Pentacles and I look at that coin and it does just make me think, can't tell you why, it just makes me think, 
about um, a pregnancy loss. So there's that too. So those are the um, interpretations or the that, that have kind of like come through to me. Um, and in every situation, you're being asked to choose yourself first. You know, that's literally it. In every in each scenario that I've mentioned, you still have to choose yourself first. So if you're not thinking clearly and you're making poor decisions um, financially, you need to really check in with yourself. Like what is hurting you that you're um, using, um, you know, wild spending, like buying the most random shit? Why are you doing that when you know that there are other things to do? What what are you distracting yourself from? And if you're someone that likes to um, or keeps choosing fuck people, why is that? Why, why do you keep finding yourself there? Why do you keep wanting to be in these spaces? What is familiar about this dynamic of choosing people who are emotionally unavailable? Like, you know, deep down that they'll never really be able to meet you where you're at, but some part of you wants to play that, play out that um, whole scene. Like you want to play out that dynamic. Um, and sometimes it's because you're scared of being truly loved. So it's like, well, if I choose people who are emotionally unavailable, then nobody can hurt me you know, so that's, that's, that's something. And if this is a case of not really being able to think clearly, or you're taking time out because of, um, a a pregnancy loss, again, choose, you have to choose yourself first and take time with your healing. Like the world can stop if if it needs to, in the, in the sense that your world is, it's okay to put it on pause. If you need to, you can't keep feeling like, oh, well, I need to go to work because everybody needs me. Everybody needs me. They'll get on just fine without you nurture yourself um tend to yourself like tend to you because you need it because you're tender so you know let that be what you focus on and then the card that came out is angel Chantel. it says here new romance is imminent either with a newcomer or through ignite reignited passion in your existing relationship be open to giving and receiving love look at that and i think that when i'm looking at that in respect to the pregnancy loss one like the the existing relationship is you like you that is the relationship in, in fact for everybody the relationship is you and through doing that the new romances that you want to consider they they just they'll be more um fulfilling when you've dealt with the things that you need to deal with and then a card that came out from the archetypes card deck is lover light attributes great passion and devotion unbridled appreciation of someone or something shadow attributes obsessive passion that harms others self-destructive devotion exactly i couldn't make this stuff up they just kind of come together but you know that's it all of this oh i just love so hard i just love too much i'm such an empath shut up with all due respect like shut up because all of these labels are well and good but you haven't addressed the wounding address the wounding because then you won't you can't be saying i love too much or if you're loving the wrong people because of course it will be too much and when we quantify it will be too much for people who aren't able to receive it but are you truly you there's something in us that's aware that they wouldn't really be able to um um receive it and and wanting to remain in that dynamic because it's one thing to kind of get there and be like oh i didn't know this was going to happen and then to remain there oh that's something happening there and again if it's to do with the pregnancy loss allowing people to um love on you and 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 tend to you during this time as well 
you know, letting other people care for you and, and yeah, just hold space for you. Be open to other people, be open to receiving love, be open to letting other people see your hurt and, and trust that they'll be able to hold that space for you. So that's part two. Part three, Ten of Swords and then Page of Pentacles. So Ten of Swords in reverse, Page of Pentacles um, upright. This message, the way that I'm I'm picking it up, says stop being lazy and get up. Get up right now. Get up. Get up. Yes, you were exhausted. Yes, you were tired. Yes, you know, you got knocked down, but you get up again. You're never going to keep me down. I'll get knocked down, but I'll get up again. You're never going to keep me down. Yeah. Oh, Danny boy. I'm sorry. But honestly, that's the message. You got knocked down, but it's time to get back up now. The image is like somebody that, yeah, they got licked down um by uh, um life you know i i see like a race of people you know when you're at the starting line and everyone takes off and then like you get you get knocked to the side or something and it's happened and you're still lying on the ground people have come to ask you are you okay are you okay you're like yeah yeah i'm fine i'm fine i'm just gonna stay here for a bit and so you're lying down on the ground the race is continuing you're still lying down on the ground get up get up get up. There is no, there's no longer an excuse. You've tended to yourself. You can now get up and get on with your work. It it could have even been a, a period of, you know, um, not having work. You could have, it could have been a stage of like stagnation, whether it was furlough or just being let go completely. Um, that's happened. And you've had that process of, oh, what do I do now? This is horrible. This hurts. I'm exhausted. What do I do now? But I'm feeling like the energy now has shifted for, and, and the spirit guides are like, okay, all right, cool. Now get up. We've got work to do, baby girl, baby boy, baby non-binary, get up. Because the next card you've got is the page of pentacles. So there's a new beginning for you, a beginning for you that will, that will lead you to more success, that will lead you to more abundance, especially in the career um, aspect of things something didn't work out. All right, cool. Sorry about that. Sorry about that. But it didn't work out. Now, the thing that can work is the what you need to get up to be able to do. You know, you need to stand up and, and considering other um, places, locations, um, when things open back up properly. But just, just looking a bit further, um, just looking outside of the box, considering, considering things that you wouldn't usually, um, you know, consider abstract thinking in a more abstract fashion um the card that you get from the messages from the angels card is angel crystal and it says have faith and hope because there is something positive and new on the horizon uh, that you can't see yet and it's interesting that the ten of swords she's lying down on the ground on her side and she's scrolling through her phone so that tells me that of course you can't see it if you're lying down like get up and stand up and then you can see because the page of pentacles she's standing up and she's holding the coin in her hand and she's looking across and to the like of the big city and she's standing like in a park or something so it's that thing of like you've got to be able you've got to get up for the for to be able to see what the new blessings are you need to pick yourself up it's been tough 
We understand it's been tough, but it's time to get to work now. Uh, the card that you got from the Archetypes card deck is Scribe. It says here, light attributes, preserving uh, knowledge and information, shadow attributes, altering facts or plagiarizing others' work. Oh, I know some people that love to do that, boy. Um, but yeah, so you're, you might be very, very, very good at thinking and um intellectualizing things and writing things and so you've probably convinced yourself that no I just need to be here for a bit longer so you're using your own skill against yourself stop doing that and get up and get on with it that's literally the message so that's that from the um messages for the tarot this week I'm really really glad it resonates and yeah I think I should do the um show sponsors because this week's show sponsors are better help so i'll talk about them in a little while then we'll move to share your magnificence big up this week's show sponsors better help that's better h-e-l-p better help um who i just think are, I, th- I think it's a wonderful service so like i've said in the tarot already if there's something that's interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals then better help will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist you can start communicating in under 48 hours um it's not a crisis line it's not self-help it's professional counseling done securely online and i know a few of you have written into the podcast to say just how wonderful it's been for you and i'm really really glad that you're loving it um yeah, and it says here that the service is available for clients worldwide. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. And you can log into your account literally at any time because I've been on that app like at 2 a.m., freaking 3 a.m. And you can send a message to your counsellor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video and um, or um, phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy so better help better h-e-l-p is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed and that's another thing as well like if you're just not feeling the counselor it's okay to switch it up and find someone who's more attuned to you so BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. So visit their website and read their testimonials uh, that are posted daily. And you can use my code. Visit uh, So you can visit betterhelp.com slash your mind. So betterhelp.com slash your mind. That's better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counsellors in all across um, America because they're America-based. So um, yeah, get on there. That's This is a special offer for the listeners of this podcast. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp, betterhelp.com slash your mind. Yes. Okay. Let's get on with Share Your Magnificence. So although this Share Your Magnificence is like it's written to me, I'm bigging up the person who actually wrote it for um, working through their anxiety and sending the email in anyway. So it says, hi, Kalechi. First off, God bless you for what you do. Listening to your podcast every Monday makes my day and week much better. I'm sending this email to you as I listen to today's podcast. And I had to send this email because the Tarot Path 4 reading was for me. I was making myself a cup of coffee as you were reading it and put it down to laugh. This is my first time of sending 
sending an email to the podcast because I'm quite shy and anxious to even um, so even when I agree with what's been said and want to say something my anxiety stops me you are my spirit animal you literally say everything I think and everyone I've put on your podcast sees why you're my favorite because I swear a lot and cuss stupid people out oi oi um now back to pile four. This is me. I'm exhausted and drained physically and mentally, but I won't take a break. And the phone drag. Whoosh. All the madness going on in the world gets me gets to me as I'm an empath. So it's really messed up. Um, it's really messed me up, but I still won't put the phone down. My sister is coming over from London to Cardiff where I live just to take care of me because every time she calls me, she says I look and sound tired and she's coming over to take my phone from me for a week. Good. Um, I have a six-year-old daughter. I'm a single parent and taking care of my daughter is my priority as well as being there for my siblings. All that in addition with driving myself crazy, thinking of how I can help even if it's one person at the moment. I support a few charities and take care of my older neighbor who lives alone without family, but I still wish I could be out there doing more. I barely sleep anymore. Depression and anxiety is kicking my ass. And I've now added worrying about everything and nothing. Sorry for the epistle. And I'm sorry it's all over the place. But I say all that to say that this is the first time a reading felt like it was especially for me. Thank you again for being the voice we really need. I play your podcast with my speakers turned up because I have a few neighbours that need to suck their mothers. <laughs> so when you drag, I warn you, boy. It makes me so happy that they can hear it. And I die and die in their anger my daughter likes your podcast too though she wags her finger at me and tells me to stop listening to bad words <laughs> because it's you teaching me to say the bad words too if only she knew that I cautioned myself from swearing as much because of her but we've had the conversation where even though she hears it she's not allowed to swear until she's 18 and she's uh, decided she's never going to swear which is good but I'll remind her later also, I tell her to give her uh, give herself two slaps on her chest when she's done something good instead of a pat on the back. And she absolutely loves it as it's different. I told her only G's know about it. So thank you for that new addition to our vocab and also two slaps on your chest for just being an amazing baby girl out here and doing big things. I pray that you keep soaring and reach greater heights and your partner and son um, also excel in everything. Amen. Now that I've written a damn thesis, I hope I send it and not delete it. But thank you for everything. You're my black excellence and someone I look forward to hearing from every Monday. You're my best friend in my head. And I just daydream about sipping drinks with you and cussing out everyone. Have a very sparkly, glittery and extremely successful week. God bless you and yours. Best wishes to Thank you so, so much. Thank you to slaps on your chest for not deleting the um, email and for sending it through and two slaps on your daughter's chest for just being out here going mummy mummy you know we don't use those words in this house okay um, I'm only going to tell you a few more times okay um but no thank you so much for sending it through and I and I get it and I I I totally get it because when I'm doing some of these readings, I'll tell you all the time that it's a self drag as well, because I'd be on that phone. I'll be looking at all of the things that are happening and I'll be like, oh, fuck this. And I'm commenting on this and commenting on that. And I was like, oh, who anger help? You know, I, of course anger helps, but I can't come and kill myself. I can't be taking paracetamol for somebody's headache, wiping my ass for somebody else's shit. You know, them ones like I, I can't, I can't. And you can't, we have to have rest. We have to have sleep. Yeah, we have to have our moment of peace and joy. It's not this Babylon that will come and grind our heads into the ground. I refuse. I refuse. It's not this world that's going to fuck me up. So, no, I I really, really get it. And I'm sending you all of the love. And you are magnificent for 
doing that for, for finding it challenging and doing it anyway big up yourself honestly i love it i love to fucking see it sorry sorry baby girl i swore again sorry teaching your mum bad words <laughs> no thank you um uh, my next letter of magnificence let's find this this is actually from a while ago but i think it's actually very um uh applicable now with all of the fuckery that the government have been doing um with all the grades i'm so glad that i talked about it before the grades came out because it's actually even more of a shit show than i expected but um i've got this letter here that says hi kalechi i hope you and the family are well i wrote to you on sym a few months ago i'm not sure if you remember but you read out my letter i nominated you for share your magnificence for the article you wrote for um or the essay you wrote for it's uh okay to feel blue and the impact that you had on my students and their ucas statements i'm writing to you now as i've recently started a free GCSE and A-level tutoring service specifically for black students who are going to be disproportionately affected by COVID and a lack of time at school for various reasons. A vital one being that if exam grades next year are to be like this year based on teachers' predictions, then black students are at a greater risk of being underpredicted. Um, I'm sure you already know all of the other ways in which black students are let down by the education system. So I won't white explain. I'm just wondering whether you could um, retweet, share this information so it can get to the students who need it. For some info, all of the tutors are experienced teachers across a range of subjects and are either people I know personally or have been recommended by friends. This is to ensure we only have tutors who truly understand and recognize the need for this to be service only for black students. I have attached the leaflet, which has all of the social media content details if um you don't feel that this is something you want to promote share then no worries thanks for reading and just being a baby girl always no um sylvia um it took me a while to get to it but more than ever i just think that this um is really really resonates it's called empowerment through education it's free online tutoring for black students um empowerment through education is an organization providing support for black students um we are a pool of teachers across the uk our aims are to support black students to achieve well in their studies reduce the attainment divide help end social inequality and you can follow them on social media it's um instagram uh, on instagram they're underscore empowerment underscore through underscore education so empowerment through un- um, education but an underscore at the beginning middle and end no beginning middle and after through i'll say that again underscore empowerment underscore through underscore education twitter their empowerment men's empowerment hr thr1 uh, you know what i'll put the link in the thing i'll put all of the details in the caption so you can read it there and their website is um www do we even say that anymore dot tiny url.com slash et education so empowerment through education et education um and you can also just email them it's et E tutors at gmail.com ete tutors at gmail.com so two slaps in your chest sylvia for doing all of this work because we're seeing how all of this is playing out so yes two slaps for doing the work that needs to be done and i'll put these uh, details in the captions so people can grab it from there just put it back to unread so i can get to it um my next letter let's see here here we go say here 
It says, hi, Kalechi. Firstly, I want to say how much your recent readings have been resonating with me. I'm a very, uh, I'm in a very transitional period of my life at the moment. So the readings are helping to provide a little guidance and comfort to let me know I'm on the right track. Last time I wrote to you, it was for So You Mad. So for the sake of balance, I thought I would come with a more positive message today. I would like to share the magnificence of every student who is graduating, receiving exam results, getting into their first choice unis, etc. The entire education system is a fuckery. So to see so many people soaring high, even though institutions have tried to clip their wings so many times is really special. Of course, institution. Um, of course, over the last few days, we've seen the mess the government have made of the A-level results which disproportionately affected state school students in low-income areas which I'm sure you will address later in this week's episode or when was that written I've already addressed it but um, I just want to say I hope everybody gives themselves two slaps on the chest no matter which grades they received because university and sixth form will really try to kill you every day so make it um, so to make it through to the other side in the middle of a pandemic is an achievement in itself and yeah I wish blessings and bright futures on to all of my fellow students, especially to all the baby boys, baby girls and baby non-binaries about to start university. Thank you for everything you do always, Grace. Now, first class BA honours, baby girl. One, Grace, two slaps. And, you know, big up to all of the students, all of the students who even amidst the fuckery, you know, they're, they're off to uni and they're doing their thing, but we're going to have to talk about the ones who aren't. Well, I've, you know, talked about the grades and everything in last week's episode and what we, um, what was likely to happen. And it's exactly what's freaking happened. And now these, the government talking about, oh, well, we're going to pay for appeals to be made and this and that. Nobody's asking you for appeals. No, you should, Ofqual should have not done that in the first fucking place. That's all we're saying. Meanwhile, private school students, their grades are higher than before. Really? Really? Because I know a lot of private school students who are now adults. And let me tell you who, who, who is all I'll say. But, um, you know, yeah, big up all of the students who, you know, got the grace that they need and they're off doing what they need to do. And we've got to keep fighting for the ones who have just been shafted by the system. So thank you for that, Grace. And then what else have I got? Oh, and I've got one more letter here. Let's see. Here we go. Hello, Kelechi. I hope you're doing well and congratulations on running your own half marathon. Thank you. I wanted to send you, send in a share your magnificent suggestion, a suggestion for my friend Toby. Toby is an amazing non-binary parent and artist living in the UK who has been through so much. And despite all the obstacles they have faced, they are now hoping to apply their knowledge of biomedical science to study, um, What's it um, to studies and their understanding of the systemic oppression black folks face towards becoming a birth and death doula. Um, I know that with the right support, Toby will make an amazing supportive doula for so many. Right now, they are running a giving circle towards paying for the classes they need. If anyone would consider giving a bit to support their goal or sharing a uh, sharing a fund, they might apply to that could go towards paying for their costs. That would be amazing. I've attached a photo here and a link to their pool and their Instagram account. 
thank you for uh, sending that through, Lola. And I want to wish Toby all of the luck in the world in completing the courses they need to be a doula. And I want to wish you and your family all of the blessings. I know inclusion of non-binary people should be a given, but it isn't always. And I appreciate how you always include us in your show. Thank you again, Lola. Of course, ma'am. Of course, of course, my baby non-binaries. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. It's not a thing. Because, like, it is what it is, you know? Like, to me, it's just like, how can you not see every soul? How can you not see every person? Like, what the fuck is this, you know? We all um, transcend together. Like, we, we, we're all here. We must, we must support each other. We must love each other fiercely, fiercely and intentionally. And so that's why it's important for me that all my baby girls, all my baby boys and all my baby non-binaries know that they are loved up in the place. So I will share um, Toby's details because I think it's so interesting to be a birth and death doula, like covering the actual spectrum of um, life, you know. And a lot of people don't want to talk about death. They don't want to talk about death, but they it's always there because it's a major part of life and I think that life would be so much more um easy to live if we just acknowledge that death is a thing rather than pretending it's not and buying every anti-aging cream and all of these things that are meant to kind of like stop us from ever thinking about it or showing signs that we're getting older and all of those things I think it's that's ridiculous so big up Toby two slaps on their chest for uh, wanting to pursue this um you know, this field, this craft, um, that's so, so necessary. And, um, thank you Lola for writing in because I really appreciate you, baby non-binary. I really appreciate you. So that's that for share your magnificence. We might as well just jump straight into so you mad then. So you mad. Woo, woo, woo. As if I haven't mentioned this person on the show before, this time it's not even me. This is a letter. Yeah, this isn't even me. I didn't even know about this until I got this letter. So it says here, hi, Kalechi. I hope you and the fam are well. I'm usually just a passive listener, but I had to get involved when I saw a clip on Twitter of ex-footballer and now pundit any Aluko leaving court in tears in Barbados. Aluko was sent to court for failing to abide to the mandatory 14-day quarantine when visiting Barbados. She said she didn't want to wait any longer for her COVID test results and didn't understand the rules. Imagine being a qualified lawyer, visiting a beautiful island, staying at a wonderful hotel with all of the amenities you need and still you decide to break the law, potentially putting the local population at risk of a deadly virus virus although enough um, although her test results did eventually come back negative it seems aluko had a, has a difficult time not moving mad wherever she goes well done to the barbados police for sending her ass to court here's a link for the story love the podcast and wishing you all the blessings and favor a baby girl from brum thank you baby girl from brum thank you look if i speak they will say that i am speaking yeah 
The I'm not even going to say what I want to say because it's extremely shady and people will cry. And I know that there are enough people who get sent links to the podcast. Like, listen from this minute because I think that she's talking about you. I don't have time to talk about you, dry pussy girl. I know that dryness in the vagina is an actual thing, but I'm just talking um, in the abstract. I'm not actually talking to people who have that medical condition. You thrive, you do what you're doing. Yeah, it's these other ones that I'm talking to because theirs is dusty yours is just dry so i'll just call them dusty pussy girl because you're you're fine yeah just thought i'd explain that because i don't want anyone to get upset and be like but my my pussy so yeah um i don't know what to say about any anymore i all i can say is as we've been told that all skin folk aren't kin folk and this is not my kin folk yeah because Again, you're in a place that has other black people. You don't want to protect these black people because you want to wield your privilege and do what you want. And you don't understand. Oh, I didn't understand the rules. You're a fucking liar. If you understand the offside rule, you understand that you should stay in your rascal hotel. You under, you can understand that because the offside rule is fucking stupid to me. And that still makes sense to footballers. Yeah. And you've been, you've been captain. You've been this, you've been that. So you understood the offside rule, but somehow you're struggling to just understand stay in your pussy clark hotel room and don't go outside and mingle with um, stay in your 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 resort don't go outside and mingle with the locals that's all they asked you to do but you thought that you were better than bad sometimes some of you move like white people gotta say it like you move with like you you abuse the privilege that you have and you do the absolute wildest things and and this is what we're seeing here even some of the rhetoric that she's tweeted before it just gives me vibes that you don't, uh, there's some internalized anti-blackness there that I don't want to now be coming here to diagnose, but I'm just telling you that it's smelly. I respect the places that you're at. You have this whole resort. Stay in the fucking resorts. You don't need to go outside. They already told you that. The fact that you're even in Barbados anyway, that that's already um, a, a blessing and, and, uh, and a mood. You don't now need to go and be, I'm glad that the police there got you. I'm glad that they got you together. It doesn't matter about whether your test came back negative because it could have gone completely the other way. I'm glad it didn't. I'm glad it didn't because as much as you're a fucking idiot, I don't want anything to happen to you. But the fact of the matter is like, even that, without your test results coming back, you were still wanting to go outside, like risking it all for what? Risking it all for what? If Rihanna hears about this, if Rihanna, if Rihanna hears about this, because she's the national ambassador, Rihanna should ban you from coming back to Barbados. That's what I would do. If I was in charge, I would ban you from coming back to Barbados because you clearly have no sense. You you have no class. You have no class. And you don't have any class. You are just trashy. You're not classy because that's nonsense. And that's highly irresponsible, extremely irresponsible. When we consider that apart from resorts, the socioeconomic status of um, a lot of the people that would be living on these islands and the things that they have to endure, you're not coming with all of your fucking privilege that if they get sick, do they have your money to be able to take care of themselves? Do they? The locals that you're then going to go and interact with, do they have your money to get better? If you were now to spread some kind of um, disease um, virus uh, to them, how, how, how would they cope? 
It's just selfish behavior. And then you're crying on top of that. Look, your tears aren't white women's tears. They're only getting you so far, yeah? Behave yourself. Because no matter how many people, white people that you've been around and you feel like you can absorb all of that privilege and because of the proximity, the world still sees you as a dark-skinned black woman. You can wear all of the wigs that you want to wear. They still see you as a dark-skinned black woman. And so you're not going to be afforded all of those privileges. And this is why your ass got dragged to court in a way that probably a lot of them would not have gotten dragged to court. And that is what you deserve. Get some sense. Behave yourself find some manners find some class so that's that um letter anyway um and then what else did i see oh this was hilarious so gokwan um it has been going through some things which i i laughed i laughed i i have to say that i laughed so here it says gokwan sparks concern on this morning as he tells viewers to wash raw chicken Gokwan sparked concern um, from viewers on Friday last week with his recommendation about cooking chicken. The 45-year-old fashion guru who has released cookbooks was performing on a cooking segment alongside presenters Alison Hammond and Rochelle Humes. He was demonstrating how to make chicken wings. And as he was detailing which spices and sauces to use, he told the viewers to wash the chicken. So the first thing you're going to do is... Uh, Oh, the first thing you're going to get your chicken wings from the butchers or the supermarket and you're going to wash them always, he said. Um, then you're going to pat them down. If you pat them down, it makes them crispier in the oven. One viewer tweeted, warning, don't wash raw chicken. Hashtag this morning. I thought you weren't supposed to wash chicken, asked another viewer. Um, a statement on the NHS website warns the public to never wash chicken before cooking it as it can spread dangerous bacteria. It reads the Food Standards Agency, FSA or whatever the hell they're called. Let me see. Um, has issued the advice that um, as many people do not realize that washing raw poultry can spread bacteria leading to an increased risk of food poisoning. The bacteria in question, Campylobacter, um, is... Um, the most common cause of food poisoning in the world and affects about 280,000 people in the UK a year. New guidance is intended to remind people that washing raw chicken before cooking increases the likelihood of infection through splashing the bacteria on work surfaces, clothing and cooking equipment. This is known as cross-contamination. Washing is therefore not recommended. It's also unnecessary as thorough cooking will kill any bacteria. Um, hmm. But... Okay, you know, I, you, I'm really sorry. I'm going to have to just speak my truth, yeah? Up until last year, some of you weren't washing your legs. So how would you know to wash chicken wings? Your, the legs on your own body, you were not washing. So how would you know to wash the wing of a chicken? I wash my chicken and I'm going to say that with all of my chest and I don't care who doesn't like it. Yeah, this is where we can draw the line in the sand. I wash my chicken. I get my vinegar up in that bitch. I get my lemon juice up in that bitch. Like I will wash my chicken and there's nobody that will stop me. There's nobody that will stop me. I don't care what hygiene person inspector wants to now come and give me a one star rating because I wash my chicken because what I'm not doing is joining you lot. And I can imagine that really really the issue is you lot don't like to wash things you don't like to wash things and that's the problem because you're talking about oh well if you wash the chicken um you know as you're washing it the water will splash about and it can co um, cause contamination so you're trying to tell me that after you wash the chicken you don't disinfect the sink and clean the whole worktop area you don't do any of that you don't wash your hands 
You lot were only, it's only because of COVID-19 that you were even being reminded to wash your hands and, and use hand sanitizer. You're having to sing happy birthday to figure out the duration of time that you should wash your hands for. You, you know, Lord, 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 I come before you today. It's your daughter, Kalechi. I just come before you to just ask you, for sense in abundance to be delivered onto this country known as Britain. Please, Lord, help them because they cannot help themselves. Common chicken, Lord. Common chicken. Common chicken. They don't know. Huh. Amen. Yeah. Oh. Who is like unto thee? Oh, Lord, who is like unto thee? Oh, oh, Lord, in this land, they don't wash chicken wings. Sorry, Lord, I just had to remix your tune because I don't get it. I don't get it. So the reason that you're saying people shouldn't wash their chicken is because the juice or whatever, the water will fly about and that's when cross-contamination happens. All right, but do you not disinfect? Do you not clean the surface after you finish washing the chicken? Like, do you not do that? Because either way, the chicken's going to go in a... Look, so do you basically take the chicken out of the packet and put it in the tray? Because ideally, if you were going to season it, the chicken would then go in a bowl anyway. And you've got to now mix up all of that with the spices and the herbs and everything in the bowl before you transfer it to whatever, however you're going to cook it. So either way, your chicken is making contact with some kind of surface. While you're doing clom, 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 clom and mixing all the seasoning about, are you not making contact in some way? And your hands are all up in there. Yeah, you'd wear gloves if you want to wear gloves, but you're still interacting with the chicken. It almost sounds to me like you take the chicken, the raw chicken from the supermarket and you just, bang, just dump it on the tray and then you start cooking it. If that's the case, it explains a lot of some of your behaviors online. Proper bland behavior, proper wild behavior that I cannot get behind. I will wash my chicken and that's just the way it is. My children's children's children will wash their chicken if they choose to eat it and all of them things there. We're going to do that because I know how to clean my things. I know how to wash my legs. Okay. So I will do what I want to do with my chicken. Okay. And I'm really, really, this is what happens when we take ourselves and we take um, our cultures and we go onto mainstream um, terrestrial daytime TV in this country. So many people do not have sense. And then we go and we say the most basic shit and they're like, oh my God, you're trying to tell me that people are washing their chicken. Ha 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 ha. So you wash your chicken. Shut up, Sally. Shut up. Sorry, Sally, you didn't deserve that. You're just in HR minding your business. But honestly, like people need to mind out because what the hell? what the what in the absolute hell i'm flabbergasted but i laughed i did genuinely laugh because the outrage was wild like oh no you're not meant to wash chicken we're so sorry that we said that actually the advice is to not wash chicken and to just eat it the way that we've been eating it so oh god god let me mind my business because if i speak they'll say i'm speaking so let me just mind my business all right next letter then um, so you mad. Here we go. Next letter. Hi, Kalechi. I hope this email finds you and your family well and safe. I'm a longtime listener of the podcast and the readings at the beginning always resonate and drag me. Thank you for your unapologetically. Sh- um, f- Thank you for unapologetically sharing your light and flame with the world. Thank you. I'm going to try and keep this letter short. Beyonce released her critically acc- uh, acclaimed Black is King documentary two weeks ago. I personally love the cinematography 
and the ways that she showcases Africa and deities before Christianity arrived and collaborated with a lot of African musicians from the diaspora. Now, the Christians in the Nagus um, came out in full force to vilify the documentary, warning believers and people of faith to not fall into the traps and embrace African um traps and embrace African spirituality that is evil, uh, that it is evil, dark, and it's witchcraft. I've attached some tweets for your own reference. Some people are going as far as tweeting Jesus is king to overshadow the black is king trending. Now, my issue is that in every spiritual group, there is light and dark. There are pedophiles and dark people who work Uh, worship Christianity. To call everyone who worships and identifies with African religions as dark spirits is very biased because you are not acknowledging the light and dark of your own practices. I support everyone's stance in standing in their own spirituality, but to condemn and demonize what you don't identify with nor have done extensive research on is very problematic. Just because you don't worship Buddha does not make every Buddhist demonic. So why extend that to ancestral religions? Why is spirituality only embraced once it has been gentrified or approved by white people? We are taught to hate ourselves and our religions, but we should be finding the light in them. As I said before, everything has light and dark and there uh, there's things to learn from more than one spiritual practice. People should allow people to practice their religions as long as it's not impeding on your rights and liberties. We should um, keep the judging for God or by whatever name the particular person calls him, her. Wishing you and your family more love and prosperity. Lots of love, Brunetti. Thank you for that. Um, I agree. (laughs) I agree. You know, like I looked at the tweets that you were attached to this and I saw who had written it and I just thought, I said this a few weeks ago and I'll reiterate it. There is so much comfort and, and, love more than I've ever known that I found through tarot and through um, exploring um, Yoruba cosmology, Yoruba spirituality, as it's known by other people, Ifa, as well as um, how that sits with my understanding of uh, Christianity uh, and what there is to be found there. For me, a lot of this is, I keep shifting because my vagina is just aching a little bit. Um, For me, I'm just trying to understand. I'm just trying to learn and unlearn at the same time. I am not insecure enough in my faith and in my spiritual um, spirituality. And ultimately, I am not insecure enough in my divinity to have a problem with what everybody else wants to believe. You have to be very, very insecure in your faith to be looking at other people's um, beliefs and going, that's demonic, that's this, that's that. A lot of people don't want to sit down and interrogate what ideologies um, that they take, that they kind of take on in line with Christianity. And I'm sure with a lot of these people, if I sat down, knowing how I talk and knowing how I debate, if I sat down and like talk things through with them, oh, 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 they would, their, their points would, they would struggle. They would struggle with those points because when we look at everything historically and we actually look at the Bible of which you speak and we really break down what's been said, not what's been interpreted by man, a lot of you would not hold a flame to me. But I'm so comfortable in the space that I found myself and on this journey that I'm going through of learning that I just have to let you have what you need and and whatever you get from whatever you believe. 
the rest of us over here are okay. Nobody asked you to watch Beyonce's um, Black is King. Nobody asked you to watch it. So this fervor of now saying, oh, Jesus is King and, da, 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 and doing all of that. You have to ask yourself why you're so desperate to do all of that. You have, you have to be the one to ask yourself the God that you describe a lot of the God that a lot of Christians describe, and this is not every Christian, but a lot, the God that a lot of um, Christians describe doesn't sound very fair doesn't sound very loving and in fact sounds like the um almost deification of white supremacist patriarchy and so i um instinctively push back against that that doesn't mean that i don't believe in god that doesn't mean that i don't believe in in christ i just push against how man has warped god into their own image and so all the things um, that you would find of a human jealousy, rage, all of this stuff, like that's all you, man. That's not God. That's you, man. And, and, and projecting it outwards and miscreating from that space. I don't intend to join you, but everyone has their opinion and everyone has a right to say what they need to say. Yes, it's insulting when people say things like, oh, that what you do, tarot is demonic. I don't like to fuck with the devil. I don't do this. I don't do that. I don't like, I just take everything with a pinch of salt because if you knew the peace that I find and have found through this and I continue to find, I only wish you the same. That's it. And until you find that within your space, that would um, then obviously stop you from chatting shit about other people's belief systems, then I don't know for you, man, because a lot of you haven't done the research. A lot of you don't have the range. You haven't sat down to actually like um, explore what it is you're talking about you've gone with what you've been indoctrinated with which is actually um um uh, something that's been done by white supremacist patriarchy and one of the things from um colonization your mind was colonized and you're the minds of your father and your forefathers but i've got to let you have that but in me where i found my power is remembering that my ancestors love the fuck out of me and they will fight for me when necessary and god is there all of the time watching over everything and giving my ancestors the power to support me when you find that when you find that there is a there's a power that goes beyond all of this that is supporting you and cheering you on all of the time when you're able to tap into that power channel that power you'll speak with more wisdom you'll speak with more presence and ultimately then you'll speak with more love and then what you'll realize that the power of the creator um, has been given to you to also create and you'll be able to create a world that we can actually live in that our children will be proud of but until then keep talking your shit in it keep talking your shit um so i'll do the next bit here no no yeah i'll do the next bit here and then we're going to cut to an interview that i did with leroy logan this is going to be a very long episode but we'll cut to the interview that i did with leroy logan who is um who is a retired police superintendent and we talked about um some wonderful things but i'll talk about him shortly so i was just reading here that black women with natural hairstyles are less likely to get job interviews um it says here, black women, I'm just bringing it up. Um, black women with natural hairstyles, including curly afros, twists or braids are less likely to get job interviews than white women or black women with straightened hair. New research has shown participants in a study carried out by researchers from Duke University's Farquhar School of Business perceived um, natural black hairstyles as less professional. And the effect was particularly pronounced in industry where more, um, industries where a more conservative appearance is common. The research, which will be published in the journal Social, Psychological and Personality Science next year. 
week, which will be this week, shows how societal biases perpetuate racial discrimination in the workplace, according to a press release. In the aftermath of the George uh, George Floyd murder and the corresponding protests, many organisations have rightly focused on tactics to help eradicate racism um, at systemic and structural levels. Researcher Ashley Shelby Rosette, a management professor and senior associate dean, said um but our individuality um, uh, but our individually held biases often precede the type of racist practices that become embedded and normalized within organizations she added that biases are rooted in a standard of beauty in many western societies that is based on white women and straightened hair rosette told uh, was talking about it more and she said it also becomes the standard of perceived professionalism and recruiters are then influenced by that standard she said the studies involved hundreds of participants of different races who were asked to screen potential job candidates in the same way as recruiters giving them a score for competence professionalism and other factors based on mocked up facebook and linkedin profiles in three of the studies participants were selected from general from the general population the study comparing attitudes and management consulting and advert advertising involving MBA students. Participants gave black women with natural hair lower scores for competence and professionalism and didn't recommend them for interviews as often compared with black women with straightened hair, white women with straight hair or white women with curly hair. In one instance, two groups of participants were asked to evaluate the same female job, black female job candidate. While one group was shown a photo of the candidate with natural hair, the other group was shown an image of her with straight hair the latter group gave the candidate a higher score for professionalism and recommended her for an interview more strongly. Rosette told CNN that um, while it's not standard practice for job applicants to provide photos, it's incredibly easy for recruiters to look someone up online. It would almost be an automatic thing to Google the person's name and see what their profile looks like on social media. Results also varied by industry. For example, black female candidates with natural hair were discriminated against when um, they were deemed... Uh, more afrocentric just have to lock that off but um i'm not surprised i'm not surprised i would like to see how that breaks down in terms of the shade of the black woman's skin as well because i find it interesting that those who are um allowed to celebrate the natural hair movement write books about it do talks about it all of that stuff are always lighter skinned and somehow they always dismiss darker skinned black women with natural hair for instance as um receiving a specific kind of um you know um violence whatever um and ostracization that they would not receive as lighter skinned women with natural hair yes having natural hair and braids and everything seems more professional for on black women the whole way around but i think that also when we consider colorism on top of that they're likely to take on people who are of lighter skin but people aren't really ready to have this conversation. I saw a colorism um, debate happening online the other day and I just thought, why is it that when we, the moment we try to talk about colorism, lighter skinned black people um, start to move like white people? Like, oh, you're trying to be divisive. This is a time for solidarity. This isn't what we should be doing right now. I'll do whatever the fuck I want to. How about that? I'll do whatever the fuck I want to do. And I will talk about it because we can't keep pretending that it doesn't happen. Right now, think of all of the talking heads that you see on TV that go on to talk about race and racism and tell me their shades. I can only really think of Shola, who is um, darker skinned, but everybody else, you know, they're getting on their light skinned, even the men, light skinned. You go and you talk your things. I'm not even like bothered about that. Like, you know, a lot of the time you, you lot make sense. That's cool. But a, a lot of the time, 
you're ignoring that there is another facet to the um the to the dynamic that you're discussing and that is colorism diane abbott don butler let's talk about the fact that if they were lighter skinned black women how they would still get the abuse because we've seen that Meghan markle is still getting abuse from where she is yeah but there it's a way that it's done there is a way that it's done and people don't want to discuss that they want to pre- pretend that no, no, no. They all they see us all as niggas. Stop fucking lying and stop, stop, stop trying to do that. That's it's really, really disingenuous and it's really nasty. And we should ask ourselves then who gets the deals when it comes to talking about these things, these things that hurt. What? Who are the people that get the deals, the book deals, the TV deals to keep talking about these things? Leanne Pinnock and I'm not being bad mind to the girl. You know whatever. You, what she's got she's going to do a documentary or has done a documentary about colorism but we're seeing her parents on that um uh, channel four show that came on the other day the talk and her parents don't want to acknowledge that racism is even a thing because they're talking about oh we don't we don't want you to grow up with a chip on your shoulder thinking that the world owed you something and then it's you that's going to go out and talk about colorism in your own home your parents aren't even acknowledging the thing like have you dealt with that have you unlearned the notions that your parents have but of course they're going to have your face because oh you know you're lighter skinned you're this you're that you're pretty you've been part of this pop group, you've got this name. Even when we look at, uh, go all the way back, 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 the you lot as Little Mix and, and, and Misha B, look at how even that played out. But people always want to pretend like, oh, well, and even the amount of light-skinned women that were in that uh, Channel 4 documentary still blows my mind. I know that um, Nadia Rose says that they asked her, but she wasn't really feeling it to take part. But overall, we saw like one black woman and her daughter, everybody else um, biracial, um or or light-skinned and then the men yeah we had dark-skinned men and i i just find that really odd that every time when we're talking about these subjects somehow dark-skinned black women are missed out but the moment you mention it everyone starts getting upset about you're being divisive shut up shut up and i'll say what i want to say and i dare a motherfucker i dare a motherfucker to try and come in and all of this work that i've been doing around anger and talking about anger and how we can reclaim it for good let one light-skinned black brit now come and say oh well i've been doing the same work because you're a liar and some of you even with your books out and everything else i know how you acquired the knowledge and, and the research in, in, in inverted commas that went into those books and the black women the dark-skinned black women that you exploited to get that knowledge and i will talk the things if the t- things need to be talked so let's all behave ourselves because i'm seeing people just taking up space where they do not need to be and so if we're talking about subjects like hair and and natural hair let's make sure that the conversation is balanced and we have darker skinned black women in there to talk about the specific oppression that they face with having dark skin and having natural hair and being in work environments and how that um is similar and and dissimilar when you're looking at lighter skinned black women having um their natural hair in the workplace and in the world at large because i can see that you know there are a lot of sort of light-skinned women that can do very very african hairstyles and it's almost acceptable because look it's so quirky so beautiful it's so this but if a black dark-skinned black woman was to roll around having the same hairstyle would she be getting all of that love because people again do not want to accept that their colorism is this and their colorism is that but everyone wants to do hashtag uh, black love yes hashtag black love i I wholeheartedly believe that that's how we heal as a race like that is what we need to do and not just in the romantic sense it's in the community sense but if every time you're saying hashtag black love you manage just rolling with light-skinned black women hmm, i think that you should sit down and really ask yourself like what are what is driving that um and yeah 
But I won't say anything else because it is what it is. You know, I just wanted to bring that out. But yeah, now we'll be talking to, you'll hear me talking with Leroy Logan, um, MBE, who uh, was, a, he served in the police um, for 30 years, the full 30 years that's required. Um, and he rose to the rank of superintendent. And um, Small Acts by Steve McQueen um, also will feature some of um, Leroy Logan's story and he will be played by John Boyega. So we'll see how the riots played out. And, and it's really interesting how Steve McQueen has chosen some real quintessential points in, um, or, you know, really... I guess, um, pivotal points in um, black British history to focus on because we need more of that. A lot of people are like, I didn't know that happened in Britain. I didn't know they had a Black Panthers in Britain. Da, 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 da. And, you know, we've got sh um, a show like this that's um, covering that. And Leroy also has his book coming out called Closing Ranks. So, yeah, I hope you enjoy the interview. Um, well, I'm really, really excited uh, to be speaking with you, Leroy, because, um, you know, you've, you've done such amazing things for the community and you continue to. And I often talk on this podcast about the police force and just my frustrations with the way that things are and being frustrated with the fact that actually the, the way things are, a lot has been done to even get us to this point. So there's still so much further to go. So you retired um, from the um, from the Met Police um, after 30 years of service. Yeah. As a superintendent. That's right. Yeah. And overall, if you were to have like a word for that, one word for that, how was that journey? Challenging. Mm. Challenging. Uh, I mean, it was a a real culture shock for me to join the police in so many different ways. I mean, I was a, I was a research scientist working at the Royal Free Hospital because after uni, I, I thought that I was set, you know, enjoying science research for the foreseeable at that time. And then, you know, I got the calling of policing, which mm -hmm. um, I thought, well, that's the last thing I want to do. But, you know, sometimes these things sort of catch you on the blind side and uh, you know, you just can't get rid of that idea. And, and as a result of that, um, you know, I knew it was going to be a real challenge because of the strong culture. Cause you know, having been a youngster growing up in London, you know, and knowing what type of policing, um, not only myself, but my friends and acquaintances had gone through anything to yourself, oh my gosh, you know, um, it's, why would I want to do this? And I was, I was really questioning my sanity for so many years. I'm thinking, why do it? But you know, it, it, it's, it was clear that I had to go through that process of change to make sure that, you know, I was effective and, you know, impactive as possible while in there for, for 30 years. But no, it was a tough call. Tough call. It, and you mentioned calling, which I think is so interesting. And I talk a lot on this podcast about spirituality and things like that. So you're already set in a particular field. You're already going a particular way. And would you say that it was almost God's hand that kind of veered you onto this path? Because everything about it, even just before you were about to enter into the force, your father had an, you know, um, had an issue with the police as well. So it seems like everything externally was saying, no, 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 no. But there was still that call, that veering yeah. to yeah. this path. 
Yeah, I, I mean, it, it was my worst nightmare, especially when I um, started to apply to join the police and I, you know, was really looking at, you know, joining within a, a short space of time. So I applied like late uh, 1982, about September time. And around the autumn time, my father uh, gets beaten up um, by the police uh, over a traffic matter, you know, and he, he was a man in his late fifties. He never been in trouble before. Um, and, you know, he's just a delivery driver who they, they accused him of blocking the road. And um, he, while he was questioning the space between the lorry and the other vehicle, you know, and he's taping, you know, measuring it up and everything, they laid into him and, and I, when I sort of got the call from my, my mother and my sister saying dad's in an emergency hospital in Whittington, I dashed from Royal Free in Hampstead to the Whittington in Islington. And I actually walked past him in A&E because he was so contorted and- Oh my God. Totally disfigured, yeah, yeah. And, and I thought to myself, do you know, I, I, I thought if, if, if a police officer had walked in that room, I may have just launched myself at them, you know? I've mm. never felt so much hatred in my life, and thank God it's never happened since. Because, um, you know, that's the guy who, you know, I love with my, my mother, they're great role models, they're loving parents, the whole nine yards, you know? And I thought, well, forget that policing thing, that's no way it's going to happen. And then my, I told uh, my girlfriend at the time, my fiance, Gretel, who's now my wife, um, and I said, you know, guess what happened? You know, they beat that up. She said, well, maybe that's the reason why you should join to stop that stuff. I thought, don't be silly. How am I going to stop police officers beating up people? They do it all the time. Um, and, and then my boss, who said, you'd be good, you know, in policing. Um, and I thought he was trying to get rid of me. Um, you know, he said, no, 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 no. no. I, I, it works great, but I just think, you know, there's something about you, you're more outgoing than just sitting in a lab for the next 20, 30 years, you know? And, you know, he said, listen, that may be the reason why to join. And, and maybe this is some way in which, you know, it, the, whatever forces are at play, they're trying to stop you from doing that. And I thought, my gosh, you know, this, this is gonna be really challenging. So, you know, that, that compounded it. So for me, I, you know, I, till this day, I don't know how I did it. Um, but, you know, you pursue that purpose in your life and you think, well, you know, I, I wasn't born again Christian at the time. I've been to church and everything, but I, 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 I didn't really fathom that God's right there with me and he's going to control everything. But that's how it happened, you know. And, you know, eventually my faith kicked in and was the real anchor for me to really withstand so much pressure that a lot of people um, said it's not enough is enough and they leave or they get ill or, you know, with uh, mental um, health issues, you know, mm. or even other sort of uh, physical illnesses. And, but, you know, fortunately I, I did my 30 years and I came out with a smile on my face and a peace in my heart and, you know, Seven years now, and you know, 
things have gone from strength to strength. Yeah, and you know, so much has de developed since then, and we'll touch on that. Um, focusing um, on your career within the police, um, you were intrinsic in how um, the investigations kind of went around, or instrumental in how the investigations kind of went around um, the death or the killing of Damilola Taylor, and how the uh, police were interacting with the community when they were trying to find out information about um, all of this. Could you tell us a bit about that? In my autobiography um, called Closing Ranks, in the book I touch on the Damilola Taylor issue where my personal and professional life clashed together because I was chair of the Black Police Association and I was doing, um, you know, certain investigations totally unrelated. But I started to hear information about the case of Damilola was causing some real problems. So I decided... Um, to respond to an invitation to go to the uh, memorial service. And when I went into the memorial service, I saw one of my um, wife's cousins, Kainde. Uh, and I, I thought, Kainde, what are you doing there? And he said, oh, um, didn't you know that Damalola is family? I said, are you joking? You know, and as a result of that, I then found out that uh, Richard Taylor, Damilola's father, is Gretel's cousin. Now, I didn't realise, I knew him from the 70s, but, you know, it's been over 20 yeah. years and I hadn't seen him. So, you know, I then find out that this case is something that I really need to be involved in. And then I get called on the Gold Group, which is the monitoring group with the police and the local authorities and all the other statutory agencies looking at how they can resolve this case. And then um, they asked me once I've been to a couple of meetings that you know how can I help with the house to house inquiries because no one's opening the door because people feel fearful mm. of you know if they open the door to a police officer especially a white officer mm. they, they, they could again for, uh, be victim of some sort of retribution and as a result of that I am um, I said well okay I can bring in a, a cadre of black officers to do the house to house, at least that, just to get an idea of who done what, where and when. And, um, you know, I, I, I said, okay. Um, I, well, they put the challenge to me. I said, okay, I'm gonna do it. You know, and again, I was saying to uh, myself and, and praying about it, I'm saying, Lord, Lord, why did you tell me to do that? <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I, I know I can get the officers, but I don't know if I can really help to house house because when people are that fearful, and anyway, I've got a, um, a group of officers, mainly from the Black Police Association, who were really, you know, reflecting the community. A lot of Nigerians, Ghanaians, um, you know, Caribbeans. And, you know, I briefed them and showed this, this is what we can do. And an amazing group. Um, and they call themselves the Cultural Resource Unit uh, in the end, the crew, CRU. And mm. within literally hours of them being deployed, that, and by this time, it's sort of like January um, 2001, it yeah. was amazing how they were doing, getting into houses, you know, and they'd be knocking on the door and speaking in Yoruba or, mm. you know, any other language that was required. And the people will come to them, you know, or they're saying in Jamaican, well, go on, and, you know, oh, listen, come over and let's, let's talk. 
And because they had that affinity with the, with the community, the community felt reassured that it could speak to them in confidence and say exactly what happened because some of the houses overlooked where Damaloda was actually stabbed. Mm -hmm. And obviously we ran off to, you know, to die, unfortunately. And um, yeah, we, we, we got the, um, you know, the, the real cadre of officers who had an amazing effect. And then they start to identify the witnesses and eventually the suspects, which led to that conviction. Um, yeah. it, it was, again, so challenging because I didn't want any of the officers who were part of the main investigation team to think I was, I knew the family because I didn't want that to be an issue. You know, you, you mm. want the investigation to run as smoothly as possible, but you don't want to be seen as an obstruction. Um, mm. But obviously they, they the officers didn't take kindly to it. They think, well, you're not a trained investigator. Who are you? And you you're know, undermining was, what we're doing. Exactly. Yeah, that's how they would have felt, yeah. So I'm, I was saying, listen, you know, I, I know some of you might think I am unnecessary, but I'm, I know we can add value. And we show that. Uh, and as a result of that, you know, my, my, my sort of path with Richard has, has been crossed over and intertwined ever since, you know. And, mm. uh, you know, as, as you know, it's the 20th anniversary of Damalola's death in November. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, I, I'm going to be active in that because, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a tragedy. But the legacy of Damalola is still there in the police because they, they, they saw that the, 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 the softer skills of a person's culture and their um, languages and their maybe it's a, their academic prowess, was instrumental in solving an operational and tactical case that needed a different approach. You know, it, there was a paradigm shift that was necessary. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, um, it's one of these cases that helped in follow-up cases, um, like the Soho bombing, you know, they start bringing gay officers to help to talk to the victims and to identify the the bomber so you know that that, that case was um instrumental in showing diversity in action you know and it, it's it, it's really been um an honor to have done that for damanola's legacy yeah no that the damanola's uh, uh death Ah, uh, growing up in Peckham, because I arrived from Nigeria when I was five and the f I grew up from then onwards in Peckham. And I remember how that refracted how, you know, I lived in Peckham. I remember the fear that was so palpable um, just around the area. It, it, nothing ever felt the same and it hasn't felt the same since. Like I can walk by Peckham Library um, and things like that. And I always think about Damiola Taylor, that it's just, it just happens automatically. So knowing that we wouldn't have been able to at least get those convictions had it not been for um, your insight, you know, I am personally very, very grateful for that because it, it changed it changed so much for mm. us and it changed so much for me as a young person because um, I was going to St. James the Great, which is just up the road, like a few yeah. steps away from um, Damilola Taylor School where he went. So it, it was just a lot. So I really appreciate that. But we talk about the importance of diversity and why we need it because this is a clear example of why it's, you know, so, so helpful and impactful. But... Then there's the, the racism, because that's what it is, can't call it anything else, that is within the institution that you're trying to help. And how does that 
how do you navigate that? Where, how, how do you separate that? Is that, do you feel like there's a cognitive dissonance? How, how do you navigate something such as that where you are so beneficial to it, yet it keeps failing to see that? Yeah, that, that's a very good question because, you know, um, you know, when um, we set the Black Police Association up, it's primarily for those reasons, because we saw that the, the, the symptoms um, were um, difficult to, 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 to detect, but the, the actual outcomes of, of that illness yes. was, was a tough one to solve. And you think, okay, well, how, how, how are we going to do this? So, you know, first thing we have to do is evidence everything mm. that you could show, you know, that, because in those days, even before the McPherson inquiry, uh, into the death of Stephen Lawrence. Stephen Lawrence, yeah. It, it was, it was really very, it was quite easy to detect racism because there was a lot of casual racism. People speak the P word, the N word, the W word, all these sort of things. Mm -hmm. and, and, and sometimes, you know, you'd hear it on the radio. So I'll be on patrol and you hear them doing monkey chants and, you know, like in, wow. like, you know, and, and that sort of things. And, you know, I even had a, someone wrote the N-word on my locker and on all that sort of thing, yeah. And that's a secure part of the police station. So it's not like it, any member of the public could have done it, you know? So you think to yourself, hold on here. You, we need to, whenever we get the opportunity, we need to show evidence of these things to, we, we, we realise it would have to be the political um, powers. And it came through the... In, the inquiry into the death of Stephen Lawrence in 98 and myself and two other members of the Black Police Association gave evidence to say that the police service was institutionally racist and gave the evidence of what was happening internally. And then we talked about stop and search and that you're three to four times likely to be um, stopped in an aggressive manner. And you're, you know, you're 10 times to 15 times more likely to be stopped in the first place compared to your white counterpart and three or four times more likely to be arrested and charged and kept in custody all of these things and you know it it it, it came you know we were able to give lord mcpherson and his panelists that lens to look into the organization which you know that in the final report they, they were very grateful that we were able to do that because all the other people were saying, well, you know, things are not that bad. It's the bad apples, you know, mm. uh, we can mm. root them out. But no, it, even if you have bad apples, it can rotten the whole crop <laughs> if you yeah. don't get to grips with it. You know, and, and, it's, and, and that's what more or less what the definition of institutional racism is, is when, when you have um, outcomes of certain policies and procedures that are clearly uh, racist, and the institution does nothing about it, then it's institutional. It's not yes. like they've got in a strategy, we are going to be racist. No, it's when you give policies and practices that have been interpreted in a way that's going to be racist in its outcomes and the organization does nothing about it, then it's institutional. And, and that's why a lot of people grapple with it. Even now, the commissioner of police, she was interviewed um, actually yesterday on, on Channel 4, and it was quite clear that she's still grappling with, oh, institutional racism is not very helpful. You know, yeah. uh, we, we are, are no longer, because we moved on so much. 
And then uh, the Channel 4 um, interviewer, Christian Guru Murphy, actually quoted a tweet that I had done earlier that day to say, well, listen, you saying you're against institutional racism, but you just put the Stephen Lawrence case on hold. Yeah. And the timing couldn't be any worse. You know, this is during Black Lives Matters and the whole George Floyd thing. And you want to now say that the the police surfaces out the woods, your timing, it couldn't be any worse, especially trust in the police is at its lowest because the type of policing young people are going through and, and, and the wider public, especially if you're from a certain um, ethnicity and a certain type of class, a person, because of, you know, the, the environment. Yeah, yeah. And as a result that you then decide to give a, a, a sort of card to the outstanding suspects, because two have already been convicted in 2012. Yeah, yeah. Even the other three suspects, a card to stay out of jail card. You know, that yeah. sort of thing. And you think, and, and anyway, he quoted this, and you could see she was not happy because I've known Chrisetta Dick for twenty odd years because she was involved in the Lawrence thing, and that, that's how I couldn't believe that she 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 worked so closely with us, and here she is saying that all is well, and you know the the, the police service is fine, but you see the thing is they don't measure the outcomes as they should because mm. there's no independent oversight to ensure that they're being accurate and they're accountable. Yeah. Yeah. And they used to have it in the first 10 years after the, the report was published in February 99. For, the, for about mm. 10 years, the Stephen Lawrence Steering Group used to monitor it and it used to be chaired by the Home Secretary, Jack Straw, and it went on, mm. Jackie Smith, and they dissolved the group. And then the Tory government took over and said, okay, all of that work can be monitored by chief constables. Well, it's like giving chief constables an opportunity to write their own homework. You know, yes. they're going to be yeah. 10 out of 10. Right? Because yeah. it's a sexist, success-driven organization. And, and yeah. they always try and put across that everything's great, no worries. And, and that's what we've been victim of uh, for the last um, 10 years. But, but since Lawrence, uh, and you know, it's, it's not so much what they do to you, it's what they withdraw from you. It's those microaggressions, that very yes. nature. It's like a drip, 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 and they will try and erode your confidence or, you know, wear you out. That if you do decide to challenge, they grind it down because, you know, I knew I was going to be investigated at some stage and they investigated me for this minor um, administrative error. But all the same, it was done by media and they really, they they informed the media before they informed me that they're going to investigate. Yeah, as is the case. Yeah, to really get that smear campaign going. You you don't see that with a white officer. When they get an investigate, you don't hear about this massive sort of media. Is it frozen? It's going to come back. That was the thing. Um, You know, we we realised we need to be real to call them out in in places of authority and do Mm -hmm. not allow these issues to be left unresolved. And you know, and we, when we set up the Black Police Association, we thought we'd solve this in 10 years. We thought 10 year shelf line. And here we are over 25 years later, we're still dealing with this issue because it's endemic in society and the police is a reflection of society.
Yeah, and and this is why I think it's I'm really loving your book. I'm still reading it at the moment, closing the ranks. And um, your autobiography, I'm really enjoying it because there is so much to take in, and there are so many complexities. And I uh, and I've said on the, this show before that nothing is as simple as like we want it to be. Like there that we, we we just have to figure out our way in it and still make the change that we need to make within um you know that system, whichever system we find ourselves in. But what I I'm so um, excited about is that I feel like you're getting your flowers now. We've got the autobiography yeah. that's coming out, and also you've, in in a sense, been immortalized because you're now going to be um, you're being uh, played by um, John Boyega in Small Acts by Steve McQueen um, with um, collaboration with the BBC, and it's those things. It's those things that remembering that you were here. You're still here, yeah. but it's also yeah. making sure that we are remembering that you were here because mm. as much as anybody wants to say about, you know, black people within policing and what we're doing and what's not being done, the fact is a lot of things could have been a lot worse had we not had, yeah, um, so. had people like yourself um, in the mix of that and trying to, I guess, impact that change from within. But looking at the fact that we've got this coming out, we've got this um, Steve McQueen anthology almost uh, coming out and your episode that you're um, shown in is um, Red, Blue, I've I've changed the title. Red, White and Blue, yeah. Red, Red, White and Blue, Blue, that's the one. And, you know, seeing that for you, I know that we're talking about, you know, this was meant to be 10 years and then 25 years later was still here, but seeing something like that, how does that feel for you? Well, it's so surreal. Um, you know, I, I was really just blessed to know, um, one, I, I, I could get, you, get through that 30 years, um, as I said, with a joy in my heart and smile on my face and sort of reflect back and say, right, and then chill out on a beach somewhere in Africa or the Caribbean. Yeah. So I was cool with that. But, you know, because the issues are still the same. And I don't want what myself and my generation and my children's generation have had to go through. I don't want my grandchildren's generation to Mm. go through that same thing. So the the work is, the struggle continues. The work has to be continued. And, you know, I I realized that, you know, um, one of the things that we as people of... Of, of oppression, you know, over the years, mm-hmm. we need to understand that we need to be constantly vigilant, we have to constantly challenge, and we've got to have constant action in everything that we do. So, you know, we can't allow things to be, to be passive, but not only for the majority culture who try, uh, trying to press us, but we need to do it even with our own people who sometimes assimilate into a culture. And, and that's why when I joined the police, I, I realized I was a black man who happens to be a cop because mm-hmm. I'm retired. I'm still a black man. And that makes sure that I, I don't assimilate and then take on the norms and values of the culture. I actually integrate to ensure that my beliefs and values are strong so that, you know, especially when I became born again in 94, it was an anchor for me to know that if, especially when you are, um, you know, part of, um, an organization that's challenging, especially after McPherson, especially after being investigated. I, mm. I knew that I w- once you put your head above the parapet, that's it. you're on someone's target. Yeah, and you've just got to be ready for that. And, you know, that, that for me um, was a, a, a sort of verification. I was in the right spot, 
you know, mm. um, it's just like joining the police service in the first place. I've got to be in the eye of the storm, you know, mm. so I have to go through the buffering of the outer rims of the storm, but I need mm. to be in the eye of the storm because I know I'm in the right space. So that means I've got to be ready. So, you know, my, my faith was tested, you know, just like diversity in action. My faith in action was shown on every single aspect of that journey. So, you know, if I, if I knew I was going to be challenged, um, let's say when I was being investigated, mm -hmm. you know, I got interviewed more hours than the Stephen Lawrence suspects. I was interviewed wow. more hours. In fact, my, my wife thought I was being arrested and charged and, you know, put in a cell. Wow. It was that long because they were trying to unravel me. But, you know, I said, even before I went to that um, um, in interview, I remember the, my, my lawyer was with me. And, and actually, my lawyer was Sadiq Khan, who's the current yes. mayor of London. So, yes. And they tried to ban him from going into the interview. And as a result of that, I, 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 you know, I prayed on it and said, Lord, this is holy ground. Make sure that no weapon formed against us will prosper. You know, you will be the fence around us. And, you know, it just, it gave such a peace and a calm. And that, mm. I think that's the thing um, that my faith has always given me is that peace and, uh, and calm, even when the waters are choppy, you know, mm, uh, mm, mm. like Jesus telling his disciples, be still, you know, when the waters are still calm, you know, it, and, and don't let your circumstances allow you to lose your purpose or be derailed by personalities and, you know, certain prejudices as well. It, it, it's so easy to, to get distracted in that way. But, you know, I, I realized that it, it was key um, to push through. And as you say, you know, you, you get your, your flowers and your medals now. And I think people are starting to, to see that. And, and I suppose that's how my story came to the attention of Steve McQueen, you know, how he... Um, saw that, you know, especially my dad being beaten up while I'm still applying, and I still um, joined. And I remember going for lunch with Steve, you know, when we start, when he decided mm -hmm. to use my story and we, you know, we're doing the scripts and everything. And, you know, this project's been going for five years with yes, me, yeah. you know, and um, I remember, we, you know, Steve was really drilling me saying, why did you leave? Why did you leave the police service? Why did you still yeah. go? I, mean, I don't know if you've ever met him, but he's laser-like, you know. Mm. He's like he's looking into your soul. I need yeah. to know. <laughs> I think he should have been a cop, you know. He's like, <laughs> and he was on it. And I'm thinking, gosh, what am I going to come up with? And then he actually influenced the book because, you know, I realized that so many things was through my faith that it changed my whole emphasis of the book because, you know, I've been writing that book since 2010, you know, wow. a labor of love. But, and then... You know, that's the thing. It's not just about the book and the film, but it's the whole Black Lives Matter um, movement, you know? Mm. And, and I think that's the key um, that I'm seeing, that it's come at such a time, even though I, I, it could have been two years, maybe five years earlier, but it's come at this time, as a time as this, to ensure that it assists people to say, listen, this is not just a moment, it's a movement. To me, I'm just in awe. I'm in awe of your resilience, but and I'm also just in awe of um, seeing God kind of like work through you and, and, and have you in those spaces because I would, when you were speaking, I was just thinking about the fact that, you know, there's that line that says, um, do not be afraid for I'm with you. I've called you by your name. You are mine. And it's that calling and, and fulfilling the calling that we are, um, I guess, put here, we've chosen to be here to, to, to fulfill. 
for you in terms of that calling, are there things now, the book is there, there's this, you know, there's this, um, you know, you're, you're, you've been, you've been show, you're going to be shown on TV through small acts. Is there something else that you're now feeling drawn towards to continue? Yeah, I, I mean, in all honesty, you think, again, I'll be chilling somewhere in, in, on a beach somewhere, but, you know, because the, the injustices and inequalities are still there, especially for, uh, uh, you know, the young people and the issues of violence and everything. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm hoping that the book, will have opportunities to go into schools. I mean, I've been working in schools for years through my charity, charity called Voyage Youth, which we set up yes. 20 years ago to know young people, know their rights and responsibilities. Um, it's a BTEC level two program for year nine students. So, you know, I've been going into schools, working with the, the, the families and the, and, and the staff of the school. So, you know, I, I know the environment and I, and I know education is the key. And if, mm. if, if the book can be um, transitioned into more of a, a children's book, um, mm. even, even as young as primary school, um, mm. you know, I, I want to do a lot of that sort of um, work because I know the, the, we need early intervention and prevention. We need to go further upstream because, as I said, education is the key and young people need to know what... The, you know, not only what's happening in the, the world in which they live, um, mm. but, you know, it's all the subtle approaches that they can be caught out, you know, whether it's their peer group or a dysfunctional role model that can mm. totally um, hijack you almost. Yeah. 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 And, and brainwash them into doing all sorts of madness and, you know, and, and knowing the importance of life and, uh, and hope and aspirations and, you know, making sure they achieve their true potential. So I, I would like to think that, you know, we can go into schools. Um, I'd, I'd like to uh, be able to, to get that sort of critical mass of uh, similar thinkers and say, listen, how we do for self. You know, I'm, I'm part of a network called Black Men for Change. And, you know, because we know as fathers that some of us are scarce and we shouldn't be and we should be and, you know, up front and centre. But, you know, mm -hmm. some people are doing great jobs and we need to, um, change the whole demeanour of how black men are perceived in the mm. media, other um, areas, you know, the police, because, you mm. know, black men are feared in a lot of ways. That's why, yes. you know, police uh, are, are very, very draconian in action sometimes, you know, even now stop and search in section 60s and, you know, roadblocks yeah, and all the that, use yeah, of tasers, yeah. everything, you know, there's 80% of the DNA um, database are black people. Um, the gangs matrix, which is supposed yes. to assess risk, 80, 90% blacks. And you think, well, yes. that's, what happened to the white gangs? You know, we're this, yeah. you know, but you can't yeah. see, you can't see any sort of real manifestations of that. So, you know, I, I really believe that we have to do for self. Mm -hmm. we need, I, you know, I know that we're, we're trying to do some work around a community policing framework. Again, for us as a community to, hold the police service to account because fortunately we can't rely on the politicians to keep to do yeah so we've got to do for self you know um so yeah it, it it's various ideas and you know i, I I'm, I'm just open to what the lord wants me to do it you never know maybe <laughs> high office and um and that's what i was thinking i was thinking yeah. it i was i was, I was thinking it and i want to say it i don't want to say it but i was thinking it because well you know, you know we need I, that I, i'm receiving it because i'm receiving <laughs> the love of the book and the film you know um everyone is positive and i think it's it's not just you know um 
a coincidence. I really believe it was a God instance. You know, I really believe that this movement is going to shape things in a way that we didn't anticipate. You know, and even though we're going through the challenges of COVID and, you know, the, the, the economic um, challenges that go with it, you know, but I, I believe as a people, we, we've struggled. You know, we're mm. compassionate people. We're, we're, we're loving and giving people. And mm. we give up uh, ourselves in the in, in, in most hostile of environments. You know, we've mm. seen that with the Windrush um, um, generation. Yes. And, you know, I'm, I'm, t- I'm doing some work with, with the Windrush um, steering group. So, you know, all these things, we are going to push through. And, and, yes. and I, I really believe the creativity and the, and the collaborations I'm seeing and, and, and I just want to be part of the mix, you know. And if I'm relevant and, and current and people can identify with me and want to work with me, I'm up for that. That's wonderful. Well, no, I really, really appreciate the time that you've taken to speak with me today. I know that the listeners will appreciate it greatly. Um, I'll be posting your um, um, links to how they can find out more about the book and obviously getting them excited for small acts as well. But once again, just like my utter, you know, thanks and admiration for all that you've done so far. And I'm so excited for all of the things that you have coming next. No, I, I really appreciate the opportunity to um, be interviewed by yourself. I've seen you in action. You know, <laughs> I, I, I feel blessed that you haven't been too ruthless on me. You, know? you, took, you, 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 you took, um, you know, how can I say? You've been very soft and an old man. I appreciate that. You know? and, and I, I must admit, I was, I was thinking, how, how do I calm things down? But no, you, you've been really great. And, and I also yeah. want to um, name check uh, Juanita Rosemar, my manager uh, yeah. of, uh, of uh, TGRG. Um, doing some amazing work. And, you know, yes. I, I'm so blessed that we've got young, vibrant um, people who, you know, see me as part of the solution. And, yes. um, I, and, and that's for me is, is what it's all about. And, you know, hopefully you get me back on the show maybe in a year or two's time and say how things are moving. Well, we'll be talking about high office in a year or two. <laughs> so I'll be ready. Watch. I'll be ready. I'm going to get you on my campaign team. That I'll be ready. That's when I'll come with the hard questions. That's oh, when I'll be ready. Yeah. Well, thanks for being easy on me on this occasion. <laughs> no, thank you so, so much. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Yeah, same to you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So to keep this um, episode um, fairly short, <laughs> about, um, I'm just going to jump then into Straw of the Week, a.k.a. Suck Your Mum. I hope you enjoyed that interview. It was really, really fun to talk to Leroy especially when he said he seen me in action and he thought I was going to be harsher but I'm just a baby girl I'm just a baby girl and there's something about speaking with older men older black men I'm just like oh let me be gentle because if I go raw I don't know what will happen but you know Leroy might run for high office and that's when I'm gonna get it I'm gonna get all up in there all up in there asking all of them really really tough questions because whoo But yeah, no, it was a really, really good conversation to have. So yeah, straw of the week, very, very simple for me. I would uh, nominate uh, Russell Brand for straw of the week. I would like Russell Brand to suck his mum because he put out a video on his page talking about WAP, Wet Ass Pussy by Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion. Talking about, oh, well is it feminist um, or is it um, pornography? And should 
uh, women be um, emulating the characteristics of men that we already said are oppressive in order to seek equality. And um, because when we look at Margaret Thatcher, Margaret Thatcher um, had the behaviors of a man and, you know, she was, you know, good at her job and her premiership and she was this and she was that. And I'm just thinking here, wait, you've hashtagged it, you've hashtagged it, um, WAP. So you're trying to get into that conversation and really monopolize on this conversation that's happening with Cardi B and Megan The Stallion. And then you've now compared them to Margaret Thatcher. I have a problem first and foremost with the uh, consciousness industrial complex that's now um, coming out to the fore more and more this whole um, industry of oh wellness and and transcendence and and presence and all of these things like initially I was like oh it's cute then I just see how um, whiteness and white people try to use all of this talk to circumnavigate ever having to be accountable for the atrocities that are committed in their name. That needs to be discussed. I listen to Eckhart Tolle. You know, I read The Power of Now and The New Earth and all of them things. And I'm reading these books. And then when it comes to racism, I have to say that he doesn't have the range. He doesn't. Because again, how much can you say? How much can be in the now, accept the now, accept the now to a certain regard? How much can you do that when you are in a black body in a, in a world that hates you for being in a black body? For being a black person, how do you stay present? Who is going to do, who is going to write that book? Who is going to go all the way? Because these lot do not have the juice. They do not have the source. They do not have it. They cannot see this conversation the whole way through. It's not enough to just go, oh, even with racism and the atrocities that have happened in the world, it is important to, in this moment, to always stay in the present. By staying in the present, there is peace to be found. And then, no, no. So all of that is happening over there and Russell Brand has, and has been in conversation with Eckhart Tolle and I was watching that and I was just thinking, hmm, I don't like this, it's smelly. But then now to see that he's talking about two black women and how they're choosing to express their own sexuality or how they're performing their sexuality to the world and he's got all of the things to say about that. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up because it's got nothing, literally nothing to do with you and you do not have the range to have the conversation. Go and police your women. If you've got, if you want to go and have a conversation about any of this, go and talk to white women. You fucking married somebody who was thinking, I kissed the girl and I liked it. So you... You, I, I really hit that note. Did you notice? Like I, I was angry, but I still went to the note. Anyway, let's carry on. What I'm saying is that you might, oh, fair enough. Fair enough that you even fucked her over because then you dumped her, you, you divorced her or said that you wanted a divorce or whatever the fuck via text while she was on tour 30 minutes before she was meant to go on stage. Like you are a fucking prick. Like you are a prick fam. You are a prick. It is not you. I'm not going to be taking lessons of morality from you and your dental floss t-shirts that are exposing your nipples. First go and cover your fucking tits. Yeah, go and do that before you come and talk to black women about how black women should be expressing themselves. From what I've heard through the grapevine, all the allegations that you've got about how you treat women, you should focus on that. You shouldn't be focusing on what these women are doing over here because they're doing that with what? With motherfucking consent. They are doing that with what? Motherfucking autonomy. Something that you might struggle to understand. Focus on your things. Face your fucking front. 
face your front. If you want to come and talk to anybody about what they're doing, focus on white women. Don't come and bring it to black women. Because when we look at how all of this played out, you motherfuckers got a 500 year head start. Yeah. So focus on that. So any conversations you're having about, oh, well, we shouldn't be doing this and we shouldn't be doing that. You focus on that and let us do our things over here. And it's just disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting like, to even see the hashtag. Like you're so desperate for clout. You're so, and I, you know how much I even hate that word, but that is the most um, applicable word, the most like accurate word in this situation. Like you're chasing clout. You're so desperate. How far are your consciousness checks getting you? You'll sit there like, oh, I'm just pondering the world. And this is what I'm thinking right now. And oh, I'm, I'm just, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm really just speaking in this way and having thoughts and I'm funny or I think I'm funny. And I used to wear my skinny jeans and now I've changed. And now I'm having these thoughts and, and I'm transcending higher. No, you're not. You're a prick. You're a prick. A prick by any other woo-woo term is still a prick. You're wearing your Jagger Jagger t-shirt that you don't even have all of the material for it, looking like an All Saints ambassador and you want to come and talk about Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion or whatever the hell that they're doing. Look, that is for them. That Literally, the women are talking about how they like sex, how they like sex. They haven't told you how you should like your sex. They're talking about how they like sex. If that's what they want to perform and present the, in terms of their sexuality, that's got nothing to do with you nothing to do with you when people are jumping in my dms especially white women jumping in my dms talking about oh well he does sort of have a point in this instance because should we be looking at the capitalization of um you know sexuality and how shut the fuck up shut the fuck up with all disrespect shut the fuck up and don't ever jump in my dms to come and tell me how i should be taking what a white man is saying about black women and their bodies fuck you fuck you white woman and go and take your theory and shove it up your fucking ass and shove it off your dusty ass pussy don't come and try to theorize to me like i'm a fucking prick and i'm a fucking idiot and i don't understand what's going on i was very specific in what i said him as a white man if he's got his theories let him go and run it with you girls don't come and run it with black women yeah mind your fucking business and i just hated the fact that everyone's in these comments like trying to be jovial and cheerful while telling him that this ain't it i'll come and tell you that you don't have the range you don't have the range so just shut the fuck up don't don't talk on black women stay out of black women's business all of you should stay out of black women's business when you are busy showing their labia in in museums in france none of you had the volume there when black women were doing wet nurses and they were being beaten on plantations and being raped and everything across the continent and all of them things and in the new world as you like to call it when you took them as slaves you lot didn't have the volume then but it's now that black women are reclaiming their body in whichever way that they want to do it because it's a fucking spectrum and black womanhood is not monolithic people can choose I don't have to agree. I don't have to necessarily want to do the thing that that black woman is doing over there with her body. If she's safe and she's enjoying it, that's for her. Oh, but what message is it sending to our children? What me- it shouldn't be sending a message to your children because who should be sending that message? That's on you. You focus on your children. You decide what your children should see and you should teach your children that people can feel liberated in a, in, in a number of ways. And this is how these women have chosen to for an industry that they are in that's already inherently misogynistic, especially when we're talking about misogynoir. Like 
That's what they're trying to navigate. And that's what they want to do. And that's how they want to celebrate. It's funny that you lot don't focus about your, on your manic pixie, your manic pixie depictions of, of your love interest in all your music videos throughout the decades. Yeah. All of you are high off your fucking face from cocaine and whatever the fuck else you take. You're not focusing on that. But it's black women shaking their ass and talking about getting a mop for this wet ass pussy. That's where you want to focus your energy. Literally for the longest time, all of you have been singing about being delusional off your drugs and then having sex, but you've just done it in, oh, 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 oh yeah, oh, oh, devil, Satan, oh. that's how you've been doing it, and none of us were chatting to you then, we left you to do your songs, yeah, stay in your lane, focus on your things, mind your business, face your fucking front, stay out of black women's business, yeah, that's what you should be doing because I don't, I just don't get it. And then black women who were like, oh, well, I get it, but should they be doing this? It's not your pussy. It is not your pussy. Yeah. If you don't like it, mind your business. Stay, focus on your own pussy. Focus on your own pussy. That's all you need to do. Don't watch somebody else's pussy. They're not being made to do that under duress. They, that's how they want to present themselves. And, and it's what they're well within their rights to do so. But nobody should be coming to talk to me about theory and then comparing them to Margaret Thatcher, who was basically a demon. Now you're comparing black women and, and exploring their uh, sexuality and how they want to perform that to this person, this oppressive force who was racist, who was just classist, who was every ist that there is. She was there. And then, and you're using that in the same sentence. How violent can you be? And you think you're making sense about, oh, well, when we're looking at traditional values, of why, when you say traditional values, you're basically saying white supremacist patriarchal values. So just let you know that in case you're not aware. Everyone should leave black women alone. But the reason you're jumping on it is because they're successful, because they're popping, because she's popping. Okay? That's why you're jumping on it, because basically you man are irrelevant. And the only way you can find relevance, again, is off black women's labor. Every day in this fucking world, everybody needs to jump on black women's shit to have some relevance, to have something that they're going off. Make your own shit, face your front mind your business but you russell brand you can suck your mother for eternity the irony is i was asking a friend the other day i was just like what's his deal i'm i, I seen talking with eckhart Tolle, like what's his deal how is he oh you know he's still figuring it out still trying to learn and he came with this no you're just a raging raging racist as far as i'm concerned mind your business mind your business Everybody leave black women alone. If you're not going to celebrate us, leave us the fuck alone. Yeah, nobody needs your input on anything. Absolutely nothing. His point and there was not a single point there that was valid. Why? Because he fails to understand the historical nature of black women and their bodies and how we even got to this point and how the world views black women's bodies and then views black women across the board. So him as a white man, he's not in any position to theorize anything, anything never and there's nothing you could come and tell me with all the isizations and this and this theory and that praxis stay the fuck out of my inbox and don't come and tell me some bullshit when you're not even taking in the most basic shit that here's a white man talking about black women black women have suffered at the hands of whiteness specifically white men for centuries he's not the one that should come and be lecturing anybody about morality and how what they should be doing if they want true equality shut up Mind your business, face your front. Nobody fucking asks you, go and wash your chest. That dusty chest with all of your chest hairs that just looks a mess and it's scanty. Go and wash your chest. Go and, go and wash your hair. 
Go and do the things that serve you and stay out of the things that serve us, okay? So that's it for this week. I have been Kalechi Okafor. This has been SYM, officially known as Say Your Mind, unofficially known as What What? That's right, suck your mum. You can follow me on at Kalechnikov or at Say Your Mind Pod. Patrons, I know that I've got some readings. Um, the people who are in the Supremes category, I've got some readings to send over to you, your one-to-one readings, and I'll get that done in the next few days. And I'll post the captions, as I promised, for the tutoring stuff, as well as Toby, the birth and death uh, doula. So, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll pop those things in as well what else am i forgetting i always forget after and after i finish recording this i'm like i should have said that but i don't remember and yeah obviously big up the show sponsors better help better help you can go to betterhelp.com slash your mind to get 10 percent off um your first month and find yourself a therapist maybe russell should find himself a therapist so he's not sticking his nose in white uh, black women's business that doesn't concern him I hope this how it resonated with you. And I guess that's it. Catch you on the flip side. Peace. It's the Ben's Punani womanist. Baby boys, baby girls, you need to hear this. Baby, sit down, sit down, receive this realness. Make sure your cup's ready for the tea. We are going sip it here. Hard time scrolling for your long shorts. You might learn something you never know. Collect you find, and she's one of a kind. Don't say you mind, say you mind.